Welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast full of Formula One fanatic with me, Chris Moss, and my good friend, Jake Peach. Hello. Uh, thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast uh, so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up to date with all the latest news and uh, info we have for you. Um, just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook, and we're at ATO Podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. In this episode, we'll quickly look at an exciting race we saw in France a couple of weeks ago, as well as last week's Styrian Grand Prix. We'll also have a look at the latest news too, and preview the second race around Austria in this double header. That is all to come for this week on Around the Outside, and first, let's have a look at that France. All right, so we're going to take a look back at France a couple of weeks ago here on Around the Outside. Um, I'll just hold my hands up here and admit that we had some technical issues last week, Chris, and... I'm just going to say yes we yeah with in the, in this audio world that we live in we can sometimes forget to hit the record button and that's exactly what I did last week me and Chris had recorded a whole episode about about the French it was, Grand Prix it was a good it was a good hour long as well <laughs> uh, and basically we recorded all of Chris but none of me so then, I mean, I'm sure some of some of the people listening would quite enjoy that. People would have appreciated a monologue, but it probably just wouldn't have made any sense at all. In, in no, just, no, just talking to myself. Yeah, which just, is what I normally do anyway. We probably could have had some fun about like doing some no context statements or something or, or something. Next like time that. we get a week break, we'll just have an outtakes of all the stuff that we don't put in, and you get to listen to all the fun stuff. Well, I've I've kept I've kept all of what we've recorded, Chris. So that's a good idea. Maybe a little bonus episode for the for the uh, end of the season. <laughs> And uh, we can make it explicit if 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 you want, um, but yeah, um, fully fully implicit for now uh, on on this episode around the outside. So basically, we're going to round up quickly what happened in France, and we're going to obviously look back at the steering Grand Prix, which we had um, most recently too. So uh, let's go back to France a couple of weeks ago, if you can cast your minds back. Um, Max Verstappen was on pole. Um, he got a great start in the race, but made a mistake early on, which allowed Lewis to lead in the first stint. And it kind of looked like there was no sort of getting Mercedes back, looked like they were in control of the race. Um, but then Mercedes were caught napping with Lewis and Max's undercut, gaining three seconds. Uh, and then Max was taking, took the lead of the race. And um, there was sort of no coming, coming back from that. Um, Red Bull sort of did a Mercedes of Barcelona and, and pit, put Max on a two-stop, whereas they had Lewis on a one-stop and Lewis trying to manage his tyres. And then with uh, two laps to go in the race, um, Verstappen also then caught Hamilton later on as well. So, yeah, it was um, it was a disruption of the status quo, would you say? And um, Mercedes had a good race pace across the whole weekend as well. So that was quite surprising that um, Red Bull were so fast on the straights, which Hamilton um, noticed as one of the big things. And then that the victory for Max Verstappen then gave Max his first Grand Slam of his career. So the pole, fastest lap and win. Um, what did you make of that French Grand Prix quickly, Chris? Did you think that it was uh, a deserved victory for Red Bull? I mean, it seemed like they, they warranted it. Yeah, I mean they they did what Mercedes have been doing for the past you know seven years. They they beat them on strategy. I mean when Mercedes haven't been winning races, they've always got the strategy to get them out of a sticky situation, and that's what Red Bull very much you know paid dividends to them to to, to get them out of that situation and 
comfortably got them a, a victory. I mean, we saw it with Barcelona, as you mentioned, uh, Lewis doing that to Max. Mm. And Max, you know, chasing down Lewis. I mean, I, I was listening to it on Five Live and it was such an enthralling commentary uh, from, from the guys there. You know, it, it made you, you know, keep you on your toes. It was... The hair stand on the back it? of your neck. going to do it? Yeah. It, it was such a breathtaking display from both of them and you know it's been what it's been like all season bar Monaco where where Lewis had a poor race but it's always been these two very much at the front battling for the win and you know to to get it with two laps to go you've got to give your hats off to to Max for um for getting the the victory there yeah of course and strong performances from uh Perez as well uh up there with with his teammate um Bottas didn't have the, the best of days um he was on the radio basically complaining to his team saying why didn't they listen to him on the strategy very frustrated um and you can almost feel like now I was reading an article this week maybe he's getting frustrated more at the team being more vocal because he might think that he's set he's uh his fate is sealed for next season I don't know um He's, he's been, well, the Finnish are, are naturally quite, well, minimal in their talk, aren't they? They're quite quiet. They don't really voice things too often. But when they do, I mean, for example, Kimi Raikkonen, you know, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. And you kind of saw a bit of anger coming from Bottas in the race. So um wasn't so great for him considering where, you know, he normally is. One, two with Hamilton or even winning races. He's got the pace on, on his day. Um So not great performances there, but... If we talk about not great performances, Ferrari, oh my God, Leclerc in 16th, all because of the tyre yeah. strategy, one they wanted to forget. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw two fantastic uh, races previously, Monaco and Baku from Ferrari, um, but it very much was a, a backward step for them. Probably one they might have been anticipating, um, you know, obviously with this whole rear ring uh, change that they've had to implement that they were taking advantage of while they could. Um, obviously going back down the grid I mean the midfield teams like Aston Martin, McLaren, Alpine you know all of them able to keep very much ahead um, but also being able to look after their tyres a lot better than Ferrari as well Yeah they did and um, well we know that that's a big name in the game in, in this sport in Formula 1 we've got to look after the very sensitive Pirelli tyres which um, do degrade obviously fairly easily um, and we we talked about um, well last week which you wouldn't have heard but we, we, we discussed this between us Chris didn't we that the the reason for the degradation problems uh, in France was that they had rain in between the practice sessions and, and qualifying and then and in the race and they set up the cars to be quite uh, rear limiting for the rear tyres to go but then it was actually the, the front tyres which suffered the more so that's why they were, the tyres were fading away a lot quicker and uh, caught the teams by surprise um, so quite um, a surprise for a lot of teams going into that race and not really ending up where they wanted to um, but some strong performances again as well from Norris and uh, Pierre Gasly as well uh, up there um, so good to see them coming through again and um, yeah it was a it was a much much more exciting race than what we saw in Styria last time out, wasn't it, Chris? Uh, Max once again asserting his dominance, but it's pretty much all that kind of happened, really, at the front. Yeah, I mean, Red Bull starting to show you know the sort of form that they had between 2010 and 2013. Mm. They're, they're sort of it's it's the real first race in the hybrid era where Mercedes just didn't 
have any pace really we've seen it in a couple of races where they struggled but they've always bounced back but you know it's it's starting to become a sort of regular pattern where red bull are really challenging them and to the point where you know max has already got four wins perez has got five it's the first time since 2013 that red bull have won five races in a row you know i mean mercedes last won a race in in spain you know, and that's say five races ago now. And, you know, this weekend, obviously, we've got the same track, same layout, probably the same weather. And it looks like it's going to be probably six for six for Red Bull in that time. Mm. You know, and yes, Lewis Hamilton ended up being 35 seconds slower than Max across the race. Add in the fact he did a fastest lap pit stop yeah. right at the end as well. I mean, it was still, you know, 11 12 seconds that yeah. Max had up the road for Lewis even he was, on the one stops that they were doing. He was still dropping back um on on that strategy and yeah Verstappen was just pulling away. Um but we have to comment on these two even though Hamilton did end up not being on the pace of of what Max was doing that day. The pace of the two front runners compared to I think Martin Brundle picked up on this in the commentary like compared to the rest of the field, it's extraordinary. Like, you know, compared to Bottas and Perez, where do they find the extra pace from to go that far up the road? It's quite astonishing, like how good these two drivers are and the rivalry we've been wanting for ages. It is. I mean, we've seen it with Lewis and uh, Valtteri quite a lot. You know, Lewis tends to, on the tracks he likes, you know, he can beat Valtteri by however many he wants to still be, you know, in second gear. Mm. Um, Max is very much of the same caliber you know he very much is world champion material and he's showing it you know he's got such a dominant performance just happening in Styria he's got a race almost a race wins worth of points ahead of Lewis mm. you know and that both they're, they're spurring each other on to go faster and faster you know Perez you know he, he's won two races now one once this season and Baku by far one of his best tracks he was very much keeping up with the, t- the two of them mm, you know? mm. but mercedes this year where they, they're pretty much where red bull have been they've only really got one car in the game yeah. Bottas, you know albeit he got on the podium in stereo he just hasn't been anywhere he hasn't shown anything he hasn't looked like winning a race mm. whereas you know red bull have now got two gar- cars to, to challenge mercedes which they haven't had for the previous you know four years yeah, and you hinted at this kind of asserting of dominance uh, the first time since that era of Vettel uh, at Red Bull when um, him and him and uh, Mark Webber were together in the team. Um, and the worrying thing, I think, for Mercedes at this point is that France and the Red Bull ring have been tracks traditionally uh, which Mercedes have been usually dominant at in previous years. So is this a signal of the tide changing really because you know i know red bull it's their it's their own race circuit it's called the red bull ring but mercedes have been really impressive around there in in the in the last few years and, and that really wasn't the case last time out mm, i mean mercedes have had a few years at the red bull ring where they they haven't had the car for it you know red bull have won there a few times mm. uh recently um the French Grand Prix, again, th- that has been completely a Mercedes show since it came back on the yeah. calendar in 2018. Uh, or was it 2019? It might have been 2019. Mm. Um, but even which way, it, Max pulled out a worldie. I don't think any other driver in the Red Bull... I mean, you saw Perez. Perez was 
you know, still quite a way down from Lewis in that French Grand Prix, even though he was on the yeah. same strategy. Mm. I don't think any other driver would have beaten Lewis other than Max for that French Grand Prix. It was only for the fact that Max was driving that car mm. that Lewis got beat. Yeah. Just driver and machinery in perfect harmony, especially for that Grand Prix. Um, we also heard comments, though, from Toto Wolf saying they're pretty much focusing on 2022 now. Do you think that's a case that a Rebel can sense maybe this year is an opportunity for them to just leave their mark on the hybrid era and that it's not all been Mercedes joy going into the final season of these current regulations we're in? Um, I mean, potential, but at the same point, Red Bull are going to be doing a very similar thing as well. They're going to be wanting to focus a lot on next year as well. So it might be after either, you know, the Austrian Grand Prix or after after the British Grand Prix in a couple mm. of weeks' time, um, where they then, you know, focus all their development for 2022 as well. Yeah. But in, in, in recent uh, days, actually, um, we first heard Toto Wolff saying it sounded like he gave the impression that, um, you know, they're totally not developing the car at all this year. And in the last couple of days, three days, they've come out and said, oh, well, what do you know? There are some developments coming for, for this season. So um, they might have changed their tune or perhaps thought, oh, we don't want to give Red Bull too much confidence here. Um, so we'll see how we'll see how that pans out. Um, can we put some respect on Lando Norris's name, Jake? Uh, obviously, a points finish every Grand Prix so far. You know, he's still fighting for third in the Drivers' Championship. He got third in qualifying after Bottas's penalty. You know, he ended up finishing fifth behind the Mercs and the Red Bulls. He is literally Mr. Consistent. He's just constantly on it. I mean, he's outpacing his much more experienced teammate, Danny Ricciardo. Mm-hmm. What is he doing in that McLaren that Danny Rick isn't? Well, a lot of people would probably um, say that it's because Lando has got his team bedded in around him. We know how important it is the relationships between mechanics and, and, and things like that. He was talking to, I believe, uh, Rachel from Sky Sports F1 uh, in an interview um, at the weekend. And he just said, you know, he spent a lot of time over the winter getting on board with his mechanics and and strategists a bit more and improving the chemistry there so they understand him more a bit better as well and and what he needs during a race um and he's well as we know certainly outshining ricardo and um one thing i think that mclaren will be very happy with is that they've jumped in very early in what you call the so-called silly season of contracts and um, have gotten secured on a a long long long-term three-year deal and uh, it seems like a good move because maybe you wouldn't see Lando going to to Mercedes um, with all of the Bottas saga going on at the moment and Russell possibly going there. But Lando Norris, I mean, he's certainly making a, an amazing name for himself. I don't know what they're doing, um, but they're doing the right thing, clearly, and um, providing Lando with a, a great base car, which in previous years, drivers like Alonso and Jensen Button didn't have under underneath their feet. So... It's looking good for McLaren. I would really like to see them fighting up there, you know, with with the likes of well, they are really they are fighting up there with Mercedes and Red Bull, just really not on sort of the same pace as, as Hamilton. But it'd be good to see um, Norris in 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 the mix as well. And um, was actually asked whether he thinks if he was in Verstappen's car, whether he'd be up there. And, and Norris was like, "Well, I don't like to compare, but of course, yeah, I would be. I mean, he would say that, wouldn't he?" <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is a question we probably ask one of our former guests, Sarah. Um, but do you think, looking mm. where McLaren are now compared to a few years ago, 
obviously Fernando coming back to the sport this year after a couple of seasons up. Do you think he was too hasty in leaving McLaren? Ooh. I mean, there's a tolerance level, isn't there, with, with those kind of things. And Fernando had been so used to success, he missed out so narrowly with Ferrari on, on getting that world title against Vettel uh, into Lagos. Um, at what point do you, you, you know, you, ha- you have parameters within yourself, don't you? It's not like self-respect, but, you know, what well, it is kind of self-respect in a sense. It's your own meteoric level of, of where you judge your performance and what you feel like you deserve as a driver at a team. And Alonso, I feel like, you know, he really highly regards himself. And so did the Paddock. He's been one of the best drivers that sports ever had. But I mean, God, how frustrating and... Um, hard must it have been to pick yourself up every time to get into a car that you know, as he famously said, but more had uh, like a GP2 engine than, than the cars around him. Um, I don't blame him for leaving, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, Chris. Of course, if he'd stayed there, um, things might be different. But then you never know. The the feedback that drivers give is really important as well for a team's development. We know all about that with Lewis Hamilton and, and, and Mercedes and when he joined and the improvements that he helped Mercedes make in the sort of the last couple of years of the V8 era before we went to hybrid and that probably helped going into the into the V6 era so we know all the importance of that and Lando and 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 um and Carlos Sainz might have been very influential in McLaren's rise in that stage you know it's it's a long-term process for for this kind of situation that McLaren found themselves in Alonso might not have been able to give that because he was more worried about his personal performance who knows that's just my that's my verbal diarrhea there for you um Ferrari though we're gonna talk about Ferrari now obviously we we mentioned previously their shocking form in France (laughs) yeah a little bit of a a better result I would would say in Styria just sixth and seventh point points you know points means prizes um yeah, and it, it looked like a solid display for them. Uh, not really having too many things to write home about, but they got the, the points that they needed um, and they beat some quick drivers in that race as well for doing it. Yeah, they'll be happy, I think. Yeah, given given the, yeah, the previous weekend in France. Um, and as we've said before, they've got two very strong young drivers. And um, I'm sure Leclerc was a bit disappointed that I know he's a Monegasque driver, but of course, Monaco, very close to France, essentially similar territory. He'd have been very disappointed with that result in France, not trying to do it for uh, a few of his fans locally. So, um, no, as I said, they're both great drivers. They'll be wanting to push this revival of Ferrari and recovery as it goes on. So much better this time out and um, kind of puts to bed those sort of engine or drag things we were on about yes they're not right up there for pole but um they've clearly made some gains away from the flexi wing um tactics they said they were going to employ for those couple of races so no positive all round there as well um mclaren doing better on the rise than ferrari um but still going in the right direction for them and uh finally uh, last little thing we're going to talk about the steering Grand Prix. Mm. i mean Obviously, we're both British. Uh, we, we both appreciate racing in all of its forms. Oh, yes. But I'd say we, bo- we both have a little soft spot for George Russell. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's doing such a fantastic job on a Saturday, you know, yeah. qualified 11th uh, for the Grand Prix. Eight thousandths uh, out of Q3. Eight thousandths from Q3. Mm. Incredible job in his Williams. Um, 
but Mr. Saturday <laughs> is Mr. Unlucky on a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, he was up to P8 in the mm. race. Solid P8 as well. Mm. You know, he was holding it on pure merit. And if it's not a small mistake that lets him down like we've had in Imola for the past couple of years, yep. it's the car. And, you know, unfortunately for him, the pneumatics and the hydraulic pressure systems just decided to not want to play ball with him. No. Um, and, you know, we ended up having, was it a 30 second pit stop for him? Something ridiculous. Something like yeah. that. And uh, it completely put him out of any kind of contention for points, mm. um, which is completely disappointing. But as George summed it up, you know, that is racing. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Luckily, he is at the same track when mm. he was eight thousands away in qualifying yeah. this weekend. Jake, can we see George Russell finally score some points? It would be nice, wasn't for it? Williams. I- yeah, for Williams, yeah. I mean, it's just so unlucky. Um, I, I know you just said for Williams there, but you think he should have won his first race in that Mercedes. Like, we know that. Uh, what a story that would have been. It's a story that we were so horribly taken away from us that we would have enjoyed um, as Brits, but also as the bit of the story of the underdog as well. Um, and yeah, in the Williams, it's just, unfortunately, with what comes with the low field team, reliability is a, is a bit of an issue and... He had those those issues but yeah you gotta think that it would be a fairly similar race so hopefully the pace is there if the teams around them haven't learnt too much from the data of the race and made really really vast improvements in in these last few days you'd hope that he can try and be up there again but um new race new weekend new temperatures new conditions environment all of that and, and also new tires because i think they're going either one step softer or one step harder because it is one slight i think it might be the harder oh okay uh, see that but there, there, there is a different um set of compounds i think it right i think so i think it is the harder well that could the two that would completely change the dynamics of the race even then the strategy will be com- completely different so yeah it could it, could work out better but do you feel obviously Williams very much in restructuring at the minute? Mm. You know, since Frank and Claire hanged up their their keys to the factory and, and to, to owners of of the team, mm. you know they've got a new team principal uh, lined up. Obviously, getting so close to Q three as well. Mm. Do 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 you feel that the restructuring that Williams are currently going through is getting them to a stage where they can start getting to? where, you know, like Sebastian Martin are at the minute, mm. Ferrari, starting to go for points and get them on a regular basis, yeah. even though they haven't scored yet. Well, it's going the right way, isn't it? Like like McLaren and, and Ferrari, it seems to be going up. It seems to be positive and, and that can only be a good thing. If we remember uh, a few years ago, um, I, I believe it was either, it was a Bottas or Massa on pole uh, in, in Austria. Um, I think it was Massa. Yeah, Massa. That was 2014. And that was 2014. I know we're going back a little, but that's like seven years. But, um, you know, Williams have had success. They can they can pull it off. Pastor Maldonado in Barcelona, they, they can do it. They're, they're a team with such prestige and history in the sport. Um, and and as you say, Frank Frank Williams and and Clary's daughter have been have been part of that. Um, it was right that there was this new direction going forward and, and giving people with an outside look to kind of put their stamp on things and, and Josca Pito and the and the rest of the, the team that are restructured at the moment will certainly be looking to 
take their experience from Volkswagen and, and that era there and, and their time in other series and formulas to put their spin on, on Williams. But it's certainly going the right way, Chris, and it would be so amazing to see Williams up there again next season and um, fighting for those for those wins. I mean, we talked about Austria in 2014. They were up there for Silverstone as well. Um, yeah, that, 20, that was 2015. When 2015, yeah. Overtook Rosberg and Hamilton at the start, at the very first corner. Yeah, and they were leading. The safety car came out, and yeah, they were leading for a good four or five laps before the Mercedes overtook them after the safety car restart. Yeah, so it'd be great to see them see them up there again, and I'm sure it won't be too long. How typical would it be though that Russell moves to Mercedes and Williams become the top team, and then Mercedes go down in the pecking order? I'm sure they won't, but it would just be that. That is what we call sod's law. Yeah, that's it. That's the irony, isn't it? It'd be hilarious. Um, right. Um, that's pretty much everything we've covered from Styria and France. Let's take a look now at the latest news in the last couple of weeks here in Formula One. All right, stable but steady week on the news front. Um, but a little bit that's happened in the last couple of weeks to tell you about. Turkey was on the calendar, then it was off the calendar. Now it's back on again. Uh, its new date is now the week of the 1st and the 3rd of October and uh, restrictions and uh, immigration rules around COVID and everything have kind of made this possible again. It's replaced the Singapore Grand Prix, which isn't going ahead because of of said reasons due to COVID. Um, I'm glad it's back on the calendar because it gave us a really exciting race last time out we were there. We had Hamilton winning his record equaling seventh world title and Lance Stroll was on pole in the wet. It was an amazing Grand Prix. Really glad we're back there. Are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going. You know, I don't think I ever remember a boring race at Istanbul Park. You know, 2010 we had the collision of the Red Bulls where Sebastian Vettel went into Mark Webber and uh, did his uh, mm. actions after Webber then got back into the Grand Prix and got third. <laughs> that race being a, a Lewis Hamilton win, I believe, um, it, it against the Jensen Button. Them two yep. were battling it out. Um, and yeah, I, I don't ever remember being such a boring race. I know Felipe Massa <laughs> back in his Ferrari days had had a few dominant wins, but again, we had constant battles in the midfield that it was always entertaining to watch. Yeah, and I, and twenty twenty was nothing short of spectacular. You know, constantly seeing cars fly off the track because of the wet conditions. Mm. You know, Sebastian Vettel got a podium, you know, his <laughs> first podium for well over a year. Yeah. You know, in a car that really shouldn't be anywhere near said podium. Yeah, it's a but, great, great performance. You know, the, the crazy days, you know, it was one of them. You know, Hamilton absolutely had no pace at all and kept his tyres alive and won the Grand Prix. Mm. You know, it's I'm glad it's back because I think if you speak to a lot of F1 fans, this track should have never come off the calendar. No, never. I mean, let's just two words: turn eight. It's great. It's a great corner, great sequence of corners, and it's. I mean, it's so good that America stole it. Exactly. Yeah, other tracks have 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 inherited it. So, no, it's. Um, I'm I'm glad it's back, and uh, we'll be seeing hopefully another scintillating race there. Hopefully, Bottas won't spin as many times as he did last last time. Um, put a bit of a Bottas bash. Not like he did in the podium either. <laughs> no, no, bit of a Bottas bash on the podcast this week with his spinning in the pit lane. Now he's spinning in Turkey that we're mentioning again. Oh, I'm sure he won't want to remember that. Um, anyway, Turkey's back. Great. Good stuff. Uh, moving on to a new rule. Right. This is this is really bizarre. And this is kind of like technical directive season where 
if you can't beat him on track, I'm talking about Red Bull, uh, then we'll just try and find loopholes in the rules. A new rule is coming in for the Hungarian Grand Prix weekend, and that's the weekend of the 30th of July, to slow down pit stops. And this is now apparently due to concerns of safety of some of the teams. Now, I don't remember there being an unsafe pit stop uh, since the a Grand Prix at the Nürburgring, where one of the tyres detached from one of the cars and it hit a cameraman. Um, and, and, and then there was quite a big debate around it then. Um, but ever since then, I think they've been fine. The new rule, or new technical directive that's being brought in for the Hungarian Grand Prix mandates a minimum 0.15 second delay, so literally nothing at all, um, between the wheel nuts being confirmed as tight on, on the wheel and the mechanic operating the jack dropping the car. And then an additional 0.2 second delay from the jack going down to the driver receiving the signal, the green light, um, above them to leave his pit box. So we're talking a 0.35 three and a half tenth second delay here um what's this chris i mean this is a this is a this is a bit weird isn't it it's a bit unnecessary I mean, what difference is three tenths gonna make well they're, they're hoping that three tenths is enough to make sure that all wheels are stuck on the car because i think was it baku uh i think it was mick schumacher nearly left the pit lane with one of the tires not yeah that's right secured to the car and I think if it's for safety reasons, then there, there isn't really much of an argument. But mm. I know a lot of people, um, Red Bull fans in, in particular, are yeah. very much, well, hang on a minute. We're, we're the ones that can get under two seconds. It's up to everybody else to catch up. Mm. But I think F1 are very much like, yeah, you can do it under two seconds. Well done. We Take our hats off to you. But, <laughs> you know, we're, we're looking at it safety-wise. And, you know, I think a lot of teams are saying, well, maybe there's sensors involved and you know it's not completely down to human element you know yeah. back in the day when you had refueling that, and it you was had a guy with a lollipop yeah and it weren't until the lollipop went up you had to go <laughs> yeah so yeah it, i i find it a, a little bit odd uh really and i think it is it is a bit dodgy in terms of what well, against red bull and christian horner rightly has come out and said this is this is probably just another way to limit the, the team's performance um, in, in terms of, of pit stops. And um, it's completely safe on on their end. And yeah, Red Bull, the fastest performing team on the grid in terms of the pit crew. But in terms of you picking up there on safety, Chris, of course, we want everyone to be safe. Would you want to see pit stops maybe like they do in IndyCar, which are a lot more slower and, and they take their time and um, there's no sort of competition edge there per se? Um, I think F1 is very much the forefront of excellence. They they want to be the fastest mm. everywhere, mm. whether that be on the track, off track, pit lane, building a car. There is always going to be a competition in Formula 1. Mm. In IndyCar, obviously, they, they, they've got two guys to do the wheels, two guys to do the tyres. And they have to go around and do the other side. They do. They do it a bit like GP, uh, a bit like F two. Yeah. And they they're still against the clock, but it's a lot slower. And I think in F one you want to see it go quick. You want to see you know the under two, the sub two second pit mm. stops. You want mm. to see who can get out on track. You don't want to see the undercuts, Ooh. the overcuts. It can change a race. I feel like if it, it can, I think. I mean, we saw that in France. Mm. You know. I think if they were to slow it down, you know, if they take some some of the guys off of it and do it a bit like how IndyCar do it, 
I mean, you've got to be looking at about, you know, eight, nine, ten second pit stop, if that. Mm, mm. You know, it's, it's basically going back to the days of refueling where, you know, the longer they were there, the more fuel they had. Yeah. Well, we'll see what difference this delay makes and whether it's noticeable at all. Um, but I'm sure Red Bull will be, well, they've kind of got no option. It's going to take it in their stride and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. I mean, it's a whole host of technical directives, including um, Aston Martin wanting something to happen about the rake of cars uh, this season. And Red Bull had a high rake car and the rules were catered more towards red bull this year so everyone's going for red bull um and uh it's well it's not it's not silly to see why they're leading the pack really if if we're being honest they kind of got the best car as we kind of gathered in the last few grand prix and the previous ones too um moving on to the w series chris we kicked off in styria this weekend it was good to see that this female only championship is kicking off it is and you know it's the second season i believe that they've uh They've done such a series. Uh, obviously, Jamie Chadwick was the uh, champion uh, when they were last out in 2019. Um, but very much this year, I'm seeing a lot more promotion hype mm. for the W Series. You know, Formula One on Facebook in particular, you know, they're sending out pictures, they're giving clips, which I don't ever remember seeing yeah. back in 2019. So it's, it's good to see and good for the promotion that, you know, they're including them. Obviously, they're part of the F1 weekend for this weekend. They're part of it last weekend as well. And they're going to be there again for Silverstone as well. Mm. Um, I think I think it is very important that, you know, F1 do take it seriously almost. Yeah. You know, it's very much been a thing in the past where certain things aren't taken as seriously as others. Mm. I, think, I think this is very much something that, needs to happen and you know it should have really come quite a few years ago mm. yeah no for sure and, and drivers such as jamie chadwick are people who are seen as becoming the next female driver in f1 we since had susie wolf drive for williams in practice sessions back at the british grand prix in 2014 that's the last time we've seen um, a female driver in, in in an official practice session and the only woman to score points in f1 in its history is uh, Leila Lombardi, who competed in three seasons of F1 between 74 and 1976. And she achieved a best finish of sixth place, which at the time I don't think got you any points. Um, but still, nowadays, if you were sixth place, that would be a, a really impressive, um, you know, whole of points nowadays. Uh, an all-important um, super licence uh, points are, are, are on offer with the W Series as well, with the winner collecting 15 points, and you need 25 of them to do F1 practice sessions and 40 to take part in qualifying at races. So uh, all important in that sense as well for um, females needing to gain the, the the right super license points to to get on board. Um, and yeah, it'd be great to see uh, a female back in Formula 1. As I said, Leila Lombardi um, competed in, in those years. She's the only woman to score points in Formula 1 in its history. So I'm sure there'll be many W Series drivers wanting to get into the sport and change that. Um, two Brits were on the podium in, in, in Alice Powell and, and Sarah Moore, first and second in this very uh, first race, the inaugural race of this W Series season last time out. So it's brilliant to see. And the racing, I thought, when I watched the race, was, was pretty good. Yeah, well, unfortunately on Sunday, as you know, I don't get the option to, uh, no. to watch it. I, I, can, I can watch <laughs> highlights. Um but yeah, no, Five Life, 
I, I only did the Grand Prix. They didn't do any of the support series, unfortunately. So I, I did see that Alice Powell uh, and Sarah Bond did get on the podium. It looked like a very good battle between them. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Hopefully, in a few weeks' time, uh, I will be able to see it and relish in the flesh. Said fact. Yeah, you'll be at the British in Grand Prix. Yeah, which we, I'm sure, will. So just in case any of the viewers didn't know. Yeah, didn't know already. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be at the <laughs> British Grand Prix, Chris. It's amazing. Gold fans back again. Um, moving on to um, the Russian Grand Prix, Chris. There's some news there about a change of circuit. Yeah, it's, uh, something that they announced uh, last weekend um, for the steering Grand Prix. Basically, they're, they're, Sochi are going to have this year's Grand Prix and next year's Grand Prix. And then from 2023, we're going to a brand new circuit recently built for, from the Tilka company um, called Igora Drive, um, which is built in the city of St. Petersburg. Um, and yeah, it will basically allow the Russian Grand Prix to still continue, despite the fact that we won't be in Sochi. Um, obviously, they, they've been the host of the Russian Grand Prix since its uh, inauguration in 2014. Mm. And um, yeah, obviously, racing around the former Olympic, the Winter Olympic Park, um, seems to be that uh, it's c- coming to an end next year. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been great racing around Sochi. I wouldn't say it's created the most exciting races, um, but but looking at the Agora Drive circuit, I mean, it it has some echoes of sort of the last section of the track has echoes of kind of if you reversed China um, circuit at Shanghai, and then going into into Turn One, it it, it looks a bit similar to kind of like Turkey, um, going into the left there, um, but then has some really cool sort of um, sweeping and flowing sections um, and and two really long straights with quite a bit of uh, undulation as well. So, no, I'm looking forward to seeing another race. It's a new circuit um, that we can get to know. So, yeah, bring it on, I'd say, which is going to be going to be great. So, they are in the near the city of St. Petersburg in, in Russia as well. So, that's going to be uh, really cool. Funniest bit of news I saw this week <laughs> were comments from the Ferrari team principal, Matteo Binotto. Um, we were talking about how the status quo of Mercedes and Red Bull is slightly changing. He said Mercedes might be suffering a lack of performance because there's less stability in the team. <laughs> a bit rich coming from Ferrari in recent years, isn't it? Um, it might be, but being Matteo Bonotto's seen Ferrari, you know, he's been team principal now for what, two, three, if not four seasons mm. um, since Maurizio Arriva Benny uh, got left. Yeah, um, you know, so obviously Ferrari have had their period of very unstable times. Mm. Um, you know, hopefully they're on their way back up. But you know, there might be a bit of truth in what he says. I mean, he might see it firsthand. You know, he's obviously at the Grand Prix more than what we are, for instance. He might see that you know maybe the the Mercedes demeanor is a bit more unsettled than what you know the cameras lead on the TV. Yeah, no, I just thought it was funny, considering the irony again. Um, but no, you're right. He's, he's probably seen it firsthand, so uh, has has that very much in mind. A um, couple more things to tell you about. Ross Braun has said the sprint race winners will get pole for the Sunday races, these sprint race pilots that are taking place. The first one being at the British Grand Prix, which are you going to, Chris? I don't know if we've talked about that. 
I don't know, Jake. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I can't remember if I am or not. <laughs> well, we'll have the first one taking place at the British Grand Prix, so Chris will get to see that. Um, then it will be at the Monza Grand Prix, and, and there's going to be a third one, which is to be confirmed yet. Um, but it was previously thought that the sprint race winners weren't going to, it wasn't going to convert into pole for the Sunday race. It was just going to be um, points or, or something like that. Um, but it's, it, do you think it's a good move that the winner of the sprint race is going to get the pole for for Sunday? I don't know. It is a little bit confusing. I ain't going to lie. I mean, <laughs> they've, they've done something very similar with F2 and F3. I'm pretty sure F3 as well. Yeah. Where, you know, they've got two sprint modes and then they've got the race and then every every race has a different pole sitter anyway. They've mm. got the actual qualifying for the main race, <laughs> which is what we're used to in Formula 1. You qualify it and then you race. But then from that qualifying, the top 12 or something like that, then reverse grid. <laughs> and then the winners, like the top 10 for that race, and then reverse grid for the next race. <laughs> and then... That race is whatever happens, happens. And then you go to the actual qualifying results for the third race. I mean, mm. not, not going to lie, I think I just enjoy a simple qualifier then race. I mean, I mean, it's good that the sprint race has got a reward to it because otherwise it would be very pointless. Yeah. Um, but it also might be quite confusing after a qualifying session, which you're qualifying for a sprint race and then that's not actually your Grand Prix position. Yeah, I mean, all of what you've just said is kind of been a bit of a bleh. but uh, yes, I I totally get what you're talking about. Uh, is it's um it's it's a little bit confusing, but again, with all these new formats, we've talked about extreme and how how that all works. It's because it, it's just because it's new, we haven't done it before, especially in in, in F1. It's been very much kind of uh, we've had various qualifying formats, haven't we, over the years? But we've very much, of course, got used to this kind type of format and. Um, we've we've stuck with it and this is a new thing i think it'd be very exciting if baku is anything to go by with the red flag with the last two laps we had the little shootout um at the end of that grand prix i think it would be really good but yeah as long as it as long as it can be at that quality and it's not just a shorter version of mercedes or red bull running away with it um they'll probably still cater their cars to be dominant um and try and win of course so um if we're gonna get mixed up results if we're gonna see suddenly mclaren or ferrari or alpha towery come into the fray for the win that would be really cool so um it all depends on that i think but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see um finishing on the um the previous Supremo of F1. We were talking about Ross, Bra- Ross Braun there, but the previous Supremo, Bernie Eccleston, of course, led Formula 1 for a number of years. Um, there's going to be a new docuseries uh, charting his life and his career in motorsport and in Formula 1. Um, it's been put together by the producers of the Senna film, which, of course, has been revered by by many, won various awards, um, and rightly so. Um, what did you make of Bernie Eccleston's Formula One career, Chris, and, and how he managed things towards the end. And um, are you excited to see a little bit of a behind the scenes of his life? Because it was very private. We never really saw any of that, did we? Um, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting watch for sure. Um, I mean, Bernie's private life, yeah, we didn't particularly see so much. Tamara Eccleston's private life, no, we, we saw quite a bit on reality <laughs> TV. Um but it's going to be interesting, you know, you get to hear what he did, you know, why he did certain things that he did, you know, why he 
you know what why F one has become how it is because mm. it very much has been because of Bernie. Well, it was it was, con- you know, it, was contra- had- it was controversial, wasn't it, at the time that he was, was he was commercializing Formula One, but as you say, it wouldn't be where it is now and, and might not have survived had it had not had that injection of money into it. No, for sure, you know, and there was obviously lots of controversy, you know. He, he definitely didn't fix races, but he definitely <laughs> tried to change it up every year. He didn't want the same people winning. Hmm. He, he made that very clear when, you know, Red Bull were dominating in the early 2000s. He was like, we need to change it up a bit. And obviously, hmm. you know, regulations came in, changed up for Mercedes to then, you know, do the same as what Red Bull had done and dominate. So... I think obviously, you know, he's been out of the game now for about four or five seasons. You know, I think it's a good point to, you know, look back, see what he thinks of F1. And it'd be interesting to know what he thinks of, you know, he used to call it the show. Mm, mm. You know, it'd be interesting to see what his thoughts are now with, um, with how F1's going and, you know, what his, you know, thoughts are about it going forward. Because obviously it is, it is his baby. Yeah, of course. No, um, very much looking forward to, to seeing that. And I actually met Tamara Eccleston very briefly once, came over to us and, and, and said, hi, we were in the paddock um, in that 2008 British Grand Prix. Um, that Did was, you say, can I have your number? It's interesting. No, I didn't. I wasn't really that brave at 11 years old, Chris, and probably <laughs> wouldn't have got it anyway. So, um, but yeah. So you might have got a digit. I'll, yeah, one. <laughs> I'll remember or next nine. time. Or nine, yeah. But still wouldn't have worked. Um, probably would have been a fake number anyway, like a burner phone or something. Uh, <laughs> um, one final quick thing. Uh, Aston Martin are continuing their rapid recruitment program. They uh, announced that they've appointed uh, ex-Red Bull designer uh, Andrew Alacy as head of technical operations. Uh, and they, had, um, they also poached ex-Red Bull aero chief Dan fallows as well um from red bull uh last week um so yeah two two in in two weeks they're looking to restructure their team and aston martin would really like to be up there again and you can't blame them going looking at red bull yeah and they also um got engineering director luca Fabato from alfa romeo as well so very much reshaping at uh, aston martin um hopefully for a 22 you know chance for a title You'd hope so. It'd be it'd be good to see a racing green livery up there fighting uh, in amongst it. But the 2022 regulations, we know anything can happen going forward. Um, right. That's all the latest news. Uh, bumper section we had there. Let's move on to the final part of this episode now and look ahead to the last in this doubleheader around the Austrian valleys of Styria. So, Jake. We're not moving very far. We're <laughs> staying exactly where we are uh, in the uh, Styrian mountains, uh, you know, where the hills are alive to the sound of Formula One cars <laughs> mowing the grass. Christ. Um, deers go on track with Montoya saying, oh dear, and <laughs> all that jazz. Do you feel this race is almost going to be very much the same as what we just had? I thought another pun was coming there. Um, no, I don't I, think I could have thought of any more. <laughs> no, I think you I think you burnt that one out, um, just like Max Verstappen did on on his victory last time. Um, 
Yes, I, I, yeah, you don't really see it changing much, do you? It's the same track, isn't it? But um, you mentioned there they've got the different compounds from Pirelli coming uh, this weekend, a step higher, I believe you said, um, for, for this for this Grand Prix. So, you know, different strategies um, could could play into a different race entirely. Could, but you, you you would think that teams might have um, gathered data and, and from the last race and see how things performed, but. Track temperature could be different. All these different variants of the environment and the track they're racing on and the conditions at that time. The track will be, of course, well rubbered in, so we might see even faster times happening. Um, I don't think it's going to be much different, really. I don't know. I don't know if you do, particularly. I mean, I hope George Russell can um, have a bit better fortune than yes, reliability. Um, but you know, I'm just gonna have a look at the uh, forecast for this scrub because obviously we had a dry weekend last week mm. you know weather you know we, we saw last year you know we, between when it was Austria then Styria you know for the Styrian Grand Prix we, we had wet qualifying where Lewis Hamilton got pulled by probably one of his biggest ever margins I think yeah 1.3 1.6 ma- amazing lap it was um so apparently it's going to be about 60 percent chance of rain on oh. the f- Friday. Oh, Friday. Potentially doesn't. Saturday, 60% chance of rain. Um, but a higher temperature on Friday. And then it's going to be warm on Sunday as well, but also a current 70% chance of rain. Wow. Oh, we're in for a good one. Oh. So if we do get the sprinklers on the track, <laughs> that could, well, I mean, Max and Lewis are some of the greatest wet weather drivers we've seen in Formula One. Yeah. We've seen that in the past I mean it could shake it up even more you know and um, who knows Lewis could could get some points back on his on his championship rival in time for the British Grand Prix in a couple of weeks time as well yeah there is potential for that but of course as we know with wet races anyone can crash out at any time Hamilton can, or Verstappen can just be happily going along and then bang you got Leclerc or Mazepin coming out of nowhere and putting them out of the race any anything can happen right um yes. so yeah we'll, we'll see but um all right well um we're recording this uh, early in the week this time we, we, we we've been we've been very efficient this week but we we obviously because we, we we missed out last week due to Jake's unfortunate slip of the <laughs> record button um, I thought I'd give you uh, what Jake and I predicted for last week's race. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we, we both predicted Max uh, was going to get pole. We did. We both got that right. Yeah. We both predicted Max was going to win. We both got that right. We did. Jake yeah. predicted Hamilton to get second. Get in, boys. Right. I predicted Perez. Uh, and then Jake, unc- <laughs> <laughs> due to Leclerc, got third place wrong because he put Gasly. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And I obviously put Hamilton. So we both got two podiums, uh, correct? Jake got uh, the first two in the correct order. I I, I got Max correct. Oh, I, I mean, I'm going to ask you, are you going to stick with them predictions for this week or are you going to change it up? Well, with the chance of... Leclerc there instead? <laughs> no, I'm not putting Leclerc there. Um, <sighs> with the chance of rain, it's so hard to call. It always is, but... Um... You know, well, if we if we're going off of the pace of last weekend, you have to stick with um, pole for Max. I think um, if yes. you said it was going to be dry on the Saturday, so now obviously you guys at home wouldn't have heard this, but 
I'm, I'm gonna. There's a thing that happened last week. I'm gonna ask Jake. Are you going to say your your drivers in the correct order instead of third, first, and second like you did last time? Yeah, I was a bit muddled last week. Well, I just had my I just had my second COVID jab and I was feeling a bit weird. So uh, my my life was a bit all over the place and things were going a bit awry, um, including my predictions. <laughs> With Gasly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, I will do a um, a one, two, three, simple as okay. this week. I will keep it simple so, for you. Paul, you, you're going to stick with Max, is that correct? Yes. Oh, without doubt. I, I, I think uh, that's going to the momentum's with him. Okay. It's going to carry on. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I don't see Max getting beat, even in wet conditions in in qualifying. I still see mm. Red Bull. I mean, it's it's their home circuit. They're going to get a bit of an advantage from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's fine. Well, okay, coming on to the race result then. Um, I'm going to say Hamilton's going to win this one. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Risky. But I think uh, I just, I've got a, got a little thing in my spidey senses. I can feel it. we'll find out if you're spider-man next time yeah (laughs) that hamilton's gonna claim first uh max second i believe stappen he's gonna i don't know i think there's gonna be something with the rain there um i think they'll be close on strategy i just i'm a i'm a big fan of hamilton in 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 those conditions in changeable conditions he i know verstappen's good but I think Hamilton can really, really manage a race very well, judges things incredibly well in those kind of conditions. Um, third place, <laughs> you're trying to put Russell in for me. <laughs> I mean, as much I so, mean, as much as I would love that to happen, you know, in a Williams. Um, I mean, I remember last week when we were doing it, I, I, I put in Norris because you were you gave him such praise before. The yeah. Race. And then he ended up starting third anyway. He did. To be fair, he he was the closest one out of the midfield to to get that podium. Yeah. And he was third at one stage as well. I am now that you've said that, you've kind of entered Norris into my mind, sort of a bit of uh, indirect influence in there from you. Um so from, from that I'm gonna put that. <laughs> in Paris, no. Um I yeah, I think um it's got to be boss ass, isn't it? Really, I think going off of last week. So, so you're going for the the boring Hamburg bots. Yes, I'm going there. I'm sticking with the boring podium um, for this one. Sorry, guys. Um, what are we thinking, Chris? So I'm thinking. I I, I mean, I sit. I I predicted Hamilton for the French Grand Prix, and one of my friends from work got very angry at me i mean she, she oh, gets really? angry at me all the time because she's a massive hamilton hater and a, oh. a verstappen fanboy oh god um so is she, just, du- is, she, is, just, she is she dutch no but she did get a verstappen t-shirt for her birthday okay fair enough <laughs> so um kaylee i know you, you're gonna be listening to it at some point probably six months down the line but <laughs> for you i'm gonna say verstappen's gonna win um I'm going to say Hamilton's going to come second um, just because, I mean, Red Bull just got the pace around their, 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 around their home track. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hamilton was, I mean, he had his own race. He, he, he had no one behind him, no one in front of him. It's pretty lonely. You know, even, even, even Mazepin didn't even, you know, <laughs> give him a race or anything. Um, 
to which actually we speak about Mazepin. I don't know if you saw on social yes. media, but <laughs> Gunter Steiner uh, gave Mazepin a spinning top and said, "Here's your very own Mazepin." Literally, Gunter Steiner probably the best team principal and the best gift we've ever had in Formula One for ama- a long, long time. Amazing. Should have put that in the news. I'm sorry, I, f- I left that out. But yes, very right, funny. That, that's why I thought I'd bring it up right yeah, yeah. now. Um, um, but yes, that that did happen. And yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Gunter's words were you can spin this instead of spinning the car <laughs> Mazepin then tried to spin the spinning top and, and it didn't, didn't work <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't spin it <laughs> the irony I know um, so then, for, yeah, for, for Stappen Verstappen first for you Hamilton second and rounding off the podium for the second race around Austria um, Lando oh, go for I'm going to give some respect to his name yes um I was I was torn. I was torn between Bottas and and, and Norris. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a good call. I I would I'm fifty fifty agree with you on that one. If if I can do that, if that's such a thing. Um, right. Well, it's been a pretty bumper episode due to my <clears throat> my mistakes last week. But I hope you, it's a it's a nice feast for for you listening, and um, have enjoyed this episode of Around the Outside. We're going to try and get a guest for next week. Um... And uh, yeah, and then obviously, then it's time for the British Grand Prix. I don't know if you know anyone that's going, Jake. <laughs> um, I've heard that a certain person called Chris is going to the British oh, Grand Prix. I, I dare say there's quite a few Chris's going, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you guys have any questions or if you want to try and see if we can do something while we're there, um, I'm only going up for the race day, but say if you want me to try and interview some of other fans. Yeah, um, please come, come, yeah, come say let, hi to let Chris. Us know what you want. Yeah, what, let us know what you want us um, to do. And, you know, we're going to try and see how we're going to play out. But I think we're going to try and um, sort of have me live there and sort of almost do like a, a live, not stream, but live podcast recording episode. We're going to try some something out anyway. Something, yeah. We'll, we'll figure something out um, and capture the atmosphere of, of the Grand Prix. Yeah, well, of course, enjoy the Grand Prix. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere there, I'm sure, at Silverstone. Um, But we'll see you next time here on Around the Outside with our next guest um, all to come in the next episode. It's been Jake Peach and Chris Moss with you for this one. We'll see you next time. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye.